You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. May peace and blessings of God be upon you all. Welcome to a very, very special edition of Saturday Morning Live. Uh, my, you're joined with myself, Mudabir Ahmed Khalid, and my friends and my co-presenters today are Shoaib Zafir and Hamza Vanderman. Um, today is a very special edition of Saturday Morning Live because we're presenting from the 56th annual convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the Jalsa Salana, which is in sort of a farmland area in Alton in Hampshire and is converted into like a small village. It's incredible if you ever see the transformation that takes place over the three days. Absolutely incredible. Um, so we're here at this spiritual retreat um, and the annual convention, as I mentioned, uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, where tens of tens of thousands of people, uh, inshallah, will be attending. Uh, so, as I mentioned, I'm with my co-presenters today, Shoaib Zafir and Hamza Vanderman. How are we doing, guys? Peace be upon you all. Yep, very well. Thank you very much, Madhavi. Okay. Yeah, very well. It's great to be here after you know a few years yeah. of, of COVID. It's great to be here in person again, and as you said, hopefully, inshallah, tens of thousands of people, yeah. which is. Uh, you know, it's really nice over the last what, over what we've been through over the last couple of years. Yeah, no, definitely. Really looking forward to um, today and tomorrow as well. And we do hope that people that are driving in have a very safe journey. Um, so the format of today's show, uh, it will be standard. Uh, so the first hour, we're talking about the latest headlines and the news that have come up in the recent weeks. And in the second hour, we'll be having a Jalsa special section where we'll be talking about our experiences of Jalsa and how we've seen Jalsa progress and the sort of milestones that we've seen in Jalsa uh, and the hallmarks of Jalsa, which are, um, you know, the progression and how much we've seen Jalsa grow. So in our own lives, personally as well, we, we would have seen Jalsa start from Islamabad, which is in Tilford, and now we're in Hadik al-Mahdi, which is in Alton, Hampshire, and it's a completely different uh, like vibe, you can say. You know, before it was very small, and now it's, it's, an, it's an extravagant, you know, sort of um, size. Uh, the scale up exactly, has been, yeah, incredible. Exactly, yeah. Uh, now, I, don't think, I just, I think the old ground, Islamabad, can't, wouldn't, even uh, held capacity for the parking. No, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Anything else now? Yeah, that's actually so true. And it's amazing, isn't it? Because when I was very, you know, when I was very small, that it felt massive. Oh, yeah, it yeah. felt massive going to yeah. Islamabad, walking around. You, I didn't really know. You know, yeah. first few times you go, then you're very small, and you're like, oh, I don't want to get lost. I wonder what's around this corner, yeah. type of thing. <laughs> and uh, we, and we, now you go. We there. had parking fitting along yeah. with the marquees, bazaars, everything and in such in a such small in place. Area. And also, if you think about it, we, we, I don't know about you guys, but every Jalsa in that Islamabad where the parking was we used to have like picnics of course yeah picnics barbecues yeah. <laughs> I remember that yeah and you couldn't even imagine that now but we'll, we'll talk more about that in the second hour but as I mentioned in the first hour we'll be, we're going to be talking about uh, headlines that have um, taken place in the last week or a few weeks um, and, th- and news that have caught our attention and the first story that I want to talk about before I go to my co-presenters is, is the I say emphatic win that England our lionesses our lionesses had over uh, Germany, so in football, in, in the Euro 2022, a 2-1 win. Um, and historically, we've had quite a bit of rivalry with Germany, and it's been, it's, it's been an exciting rivalry. But uh, I think it's incredible now that the that the women's team have uh, have brought it home. What are your thoughts on 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 the on the win? Yeah, well, obviously. Hamza as a fan of football. <laughs> what are your thoughts? No, on? it was amazing. You know, I just thought it was. Um you know it was really nice wasn't it I mean I think that amazingly as well I, I saw highest um, you know TV viewership yeah. of any program of the year yeah. 
uh, biggest attendance at Wembley ever. I yeah, think. it was like nearly ninety thousand. I believe. So you know, you t- yeah, exactly. So you know, even beyond the the thrill and excitement of winning the match, I mm. think the you know those types of stats show that women's football is of an interest that I don't think many people thought would have been the case yeah. a few just a few years ago, probably. Yeah. Um, and you hear some of the commentary after the game in terms of. Um, when this tournament was being organised and set up, you know, the organisers uh, went to lots of the Premier League clubs to try to get their stadium. Yeah. Uh, and they actually rejected the offers because they really? didn't think that, um, you know, there'd be enough interest and therefore it wouldn't be in their interest to um, to, to use their stadiums. But they kicking themselves after. Kicking themselves after, <laughs> yeah. exactly that. Every um, pretty much sell out for every ground and as you say, biggest attendance at Wembley yeah. ever. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, phenomenal. I don't think anyone would have ever expected that. So yeah. that was, you know, that was amazing to yeah. see. I think it's really incredible and I think it, the, the, the one of the most important things for me is I think the message that it sends out to young women because uh, I don't know about you guys but I think especially in our Asian culture, exercise and sports in the woman in, 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 amongst women is not really something that is most common and I would love for it to be common because we know how much exercise and sports builds confidence is good for your health or all of the, all of these things so I think it's really good in promoting that and and I honestly hope that you know our young woman can grow in, into sports and have a, a healthier lifestyle yeah definitely yeah. it does show that as well yeah. Um, but yeah I, I really enjoyed it as well I'm sure yeah. watched the game um, one thing I noted uh, noticed is after we've watched the football match I've been, there's a lot more uh, women's sports on TV yeah. I've seen yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was also rugby games that I saw as well a few uh, and, um, and interesting I remember when when, when it was the men's uh, final um, outside so where my flat is there's, I'm next to a road and that road was very quiet because no one was out everyone was at home you know, watching the uh, watching the game, and it's the same t- same thing over here as well. Where you know, I, I didn't hear no cars out on the road because I think everyone was just at home watching yeah. this game. So yeah, it's definitely a peak interest for it. People were very interested, um, and I, as I, I mentioned to you guys before, I, I would have loved even more if the final was against uh, Italy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it would have been a nice uh, revenge uh, for, for for us as well. Bit of sweet moment. Exactly. I mean, what's interesting is if there will be to see if there'll be any sort sort of crossover. I mean, Serena Wigman, who's the the you know the manager of the of the England mm. team has now not never lost a game at the European Championship. Oh, wow. You know, she won the last tournament with uh, with Holland. She won this tournament, you know, with England as mm. underdogs going into the tournament. Mm. Um, and so, what's interesting in that position is whether she, um, I'm sure she'll have some offers for mm. some from from some men's clubs lower down, and mm. see if she wants to try and make a transition. That yeah. I think that'd be quite interesting. Or whether, think, or whether she or whether she even yeah. thinks that that is. You know, thing that she wants to do and is necessary, yeah. but I think that be you know, she's obviously you know very talented manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Um, you know, and the record of wins is you know that you can't just you can't do that with that. Yeah, exactly. I think it manager. speaks for itself. Um, just one last comment on this though, but uh, there is so we all know what goals is. Goals is like this organisation that arranges five aside football and seven aside football, uh, and there's a manager from uh, goals in Newcastle who's said said that. Since the Euros, we've been running women's tournaments up and down the UK and we've seen a huge influx of women, of women playing football. We had 90 women put, pull on their boots last weekend for our tournament and it was probably one of the best atmospheres I've experienced in my nine years with goals with their kids and partners cheering on from the sideline. So yeah, I think it's, it's incredible. Women are starting to take up more sports and yeah. I think it's really uh, motivated a lot of uh, women and young women to, to get into sports. So that was a great good news story for me to start with. Uh, I'll go over to Hamza, to you, if you have any stories that you'd like to share. 
Yeah, well, I think the the ongoing story of the last few weeks, and sadly for the next four weeks as well, is the um, uh, Conservative Party uh, leadership race. Uh, yeah. So yeah. we're into the final the final furlong. It's been feels like it's been going on for a while. There yeah. still is another four weeks. I read the other day, which mm. is uh, which I which was did fill me with a bit of dread. Uh, <laughs> feels like it's been dragging <laughs> dragging out, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. This kind of. Uh, really helter-skelter first few days where you know candidates were getting knocked out on a daily basis mm. and then you know they whistled it down to the final two which is mm. where we're up to at the moment and then it does feel like it's quite a long drawn out process yeah. to uh, for the members to select the final two but we're, mm. we're down to Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak and yeah. um, they seem to be making new announcements and pledges to try and get the members on side who will be um, voting for the next Tory leader and yeah. then by de facto our, our next Prime Minister yeah. uh, and the main uh, you know, the main area of contention seems to be around tax cuts. Liz yeah. Truss is kind of promising these really big radical uh, tax cuts mm. from, um, immediately. Rishi Sunak is um, putting much more of a focus on trying to uh, tackle inflation and saying that those tax cuts are um, inflationary and won't help to, to, to tackle that, which should be the focus for the economy. Mm. Uh, and it seems that the Tory members have... Um, uh, have discounted his argument they're well in behind Liz Truss she's I think in the latest polling kind of 30 points up mm. ahead of Rishi Sunak which oh, is wow. a which is a massive mass great lead it's a huge lead and yeah. you'd be really unless the polling is um, you know there's something fundamentally wrong with it which is you know to be fair has happened before um, she will be the next uh, the next prime minister mm. um, so we'll see we'll see how that develops but she's got this really big poll lead and um, you know her policies are very very different to mm. um, the Tory party conventional economic policy and mm. I'm sure we'll come on to talk about it in terms mm. of cost of living crisis yeah. um, so her policies you know deserve a lot of attention and scrutiny because they're going to impact us all yeah well let's just hope and pray <clears throat> that whoever does become the leader that they can do justice to the role and um, they can serve the country in the best possible way well, we spoke about this a few weeks ago didn't we? well in the last show where we mentioned that it's completely different to the elections that take place in our community in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community where we I find well I only now well more recently I'm finding it um not bizarre but strange how in elections around the world in sort of uh, conventional elections that take place in governments etc people will boast about themselves and say I'm good because I'll do this I'll do you know I'm, I'm going to bring this I can do this and that etc whereas in our community when we have our local elections or our uh, national elections whatever elections they are it seems like we don't really want to take that limelight but the way that our elections t uh, take place is that the community come together and they pick out the person who they, they think is best so that person is then nominated and then that person is then voted for which I think is generally a, a better way to do it <laughs> you find the right person yeah, 100%, for the role exactly, exactly yeah. who's, who's best suited for this yeah. and then the people choose from, from there on and yeah. any, anyone can be selected I mean, exactly. I've been voted in yeah. different roles yeah. we always <laughs> try and hide away <laughs> it's a huge responsibility <laughs> no campaigning allowed yeah. and, no yeah. exactly. and no disparaging yeah. of, uh, well, the other, of the other candidates yeah. allowed is not allowed to nominate yourself not allowed to vote for yourself yeah. which is completely exactly. different to uh, how general elections take place. Um, so yeah, let's hope and pray that the next leader can do justice to the role, as mentioned. So Shreve, I'll come up to you for the next story. So yep, uh, we, uh, I mean, I guess now we all know we definitely are in a cost of living crisis. We've heard this for a long time yeah. now. We've been hearing about um, 
And yeah, it's getting to a point where things are reaching breaking point for a lot of people in the in the country. We've had announcement that you know the, the Bank of England has said that it's likely we're going to go into recession yeah. towards the end of the year as well, which is a scary thought. I mean, I remember the last recession, um, well, the credit crunch, as we yeah. called it. Uh, it was just when I came out of university. So what a great time after spending thousands of pounds educating myself to come out to. Uh, to, to a place where they say, yep, there's no jobs around now. <laughs> so <laughs> At least you didn't feel the, the, the rise in tuition fees. Oh, exactly, yeah. Thank God I missed that out. Um, but yeah, no, we, we're at a place where it, it's getting tougher. Um, mm. But we've, we've been seeing this for, the, for, the, for, for a few months. Well, yeah, maybe over a year now. Mm. We've been seeing uh, everything go up, you know, from the cost of food. I mean, everyone's heard of that or seen that picture of Lurpak butter for nine pounds. Oh, yeah. It's funny, I bought Lurpak a few days ago and went to the car park, had it in my hand and one, there was a guy behind and he just made a comment about it when, mm. I, when he saw that Lurpak. He said, how much did you pay for that Lurpak? Ten pounds? <laughs> <laughs> I laughing. I was like, near enough. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, we've had, we've had food, food, food prices go up, yeah. you know, bills going up. Yes. We've, we know often rising the price cap. Mm. It, it's gone up recently. It's going up and again in October and again in January. Mm. And um, I saw a snippet off off this in in with the Bank of England announcement and uh, yeah it was I think it was doubling almost doubling again really? um, in October yeah so you know it, it, we are it, in for a very how much did it go up initially was it fifty four percent or something energy cost I don't remember the exact figures I I I know that at the moment the energy price cap I think it's going it's going up it's at fifteen hundred or something I could be wrong on that and I know that in the in or possibly more, but I know it's almost hitting 4,000 when it gets to uh, 4, January pounds. next year, yeah. So, you know, we are in for a very tough time. And I was telling you before that I've uh, something, I guess, lightened up the mood. But yeah, so some people are taking extreme measures. I don't yeah. know if you guys would uh, condone these sort of methods, but uh, so one person I, I heard on the radio said he is removing the light bulb from his fridge <laughs> to <laughs> save energy. So <laughs> when he's opening the fridge, it's not taking up as much energy. That's uh, what I know. I mean, it, it, I think you're you're paying maybe two pence a year for that. <laughs> I don't know how much, but you know, everyone's got their own <clears throat> ways of saving money. Yeah. Um, one interesting fact I saw was the. Uh, uh, the uh, drop in subscriptions to uh, uh, shows like yeah, 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 TV, yeah, yeah. TV subscriptions to Netflix, Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime, Disney, and uh, yeah. Netflix have lost a lot yeah. of customers. Yeah. Um, Sky's losing customers, and it's, mm. it just shows that you know people are prioritizing 100%. what's important because it's getting tough for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we, we are in a we we. we, we People were spending frivolously for quite a while now. Yeah. I think people are now realizing, okay, you know, things are going, yeah. you know, and we, we just saw recently that the house prices also dropped for the first time. I don't know how many years as well, though, mm. that was quoted as well. Um, and it's not just the UK. Uh, we, we're having, you know, all, all over the world, uh, central banks mm. are raising interest rates to try to curb the uh, curb inflation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, is there any, any specific steps you guys are taking to save costs? Um, I haven't done anything specific yet, but I'm definitely going to have to. We did carpool some. together today. So. Oh yeah, that that we yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm thinking I might have to cut back on some subscriptions that I'm not really using as much. Mm -hmm. Like I know for a fact Disney isn't being utilized, but I think it's a family one, so we'll have to 
what that is. Before you go to the boat, go to the Democratic vote <laughs> yeah. in a few weeks. Yeah. We, I'm going to enforce and enact a very tough um, three jumpers policy as we move into the winter <laughs> uh, to reduce the heating bill. I think that's going to be the way to yeah, go. Or just layer up. Layer up. It's layer gonna, layer up. Layer up. That yeah. is absolutely going to yeah. be uh, just a very simple... The politicians get in trouble for talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just such a simple, easy thing to do. You know, if you're... You just can't be wandering around the house in the winter in a t-shirt yeah. with no. the heating on. That's, you have to do what that. Joey done from Friends, just layer up and, just <laughs> layer up and, stiff. and get the heating down. Well, I mean, at least fuel prices have been coming down. Yeah, We've yeah, been yeah. seeing that. I've been, I've been yeah. driving and the, uh, the cheapest I've seen petrol was at uh, 174. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, if anyone's interested, please call in and I can uh, give you the lowdown on, on where that was. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the price of, <clears throat> of oil has been falling rapidly, but you... This is the problem, isn't it? As soon as as soon as um, commodity prices go up, you see they come through on your petrol price immediately. Yeah, uh, and when they well, fall, the way, it takes, it's, no, you know, it's exactly. such a gradual, slow process for them to come down. And, yeah. You know, you've seen Shell, BP uh, put out record profits again over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I think three billion pounds for Shell over the last couple, of weeks, which is their highest ever yeah. uh, profit. Um, and so you do, you know, these companies are making a lot of money at the moment yeah. um, uh, on the backs of the consumers, which is, you know, which, uh, which I think the government, the government does have the windfall tax in at the moment yeah. um, to, to try and rake in some of that money, try and bring some of that back. Uh, but amazingly, I think that is one of the policies that Liz Trust wants to get away, get, get away from. But, you know, it's a bit, it, there's so many things going on and whether, whether, um, uh, uh, the impact that these have on inflation, but we're, so we're in for a difficult, a difficult economic ride over the next. It's, you know, it's funny you mention this. The fact that these companies are in such, pro- you know, hitting such high profits, and recently we had COP, um, you know, and and we we it, climate climate emergency was highlighted so important to try mm. to move away from fossil fuels. Mm. But it's almost like there's been no ink impact in, in in real life. Like these companies are still with it's just so reliant on them yeah. um, that it's just hard to get away from, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's really difficult, isn't it? And now you've got, and as you said, now you've got the the interest rates interest rate rise uh, from yesterday. Interest rates now at the highest point in about twenty five years, I think. One point. The jump. The jump. They the did. jump. Yeah, the 50, Sorry, 50 the, yeah. Base points, yeah. Sorry, fifty base points. That's right. Fifty base points to one point seven five. Uh, and that will immediately start coming through onto people's uh, uh, mortgages when they have to renew their products and stuff. And, and, and like you just said before, when it you know when commodity prices go up and down, it takes a while to hit through here unless it's going low. So similarly with um, interest rates, now I'm sure it's going to take a while for hit to hit people. Um, it will get to people very quickly now. Mm. Whereas when they were dropping, you mm. know these things weren't coming. Similar when they did the uh, when there was a four pence price cut on on duty on fuel and That's it just five wasn't it was five pence I think was it five pence I mean how <clears throat> yeah. much it was it, it just people were complaining that it had not yet come onto the forecourt that's right yeah. they were just keeping the five exactly pence of margin like, five yeah. pence of margin <laughs> yeah, that's but it exactly very, and that, thanks that, very much exactly yeah. I mean and even that I mean you know five pence it didn't make that much of a difference we were almost hitting two pound a litre for petrol and I think yeah. for diesel were well over two pound yeah some cases price, yeah. but it's amazing isn't it because of that two pounds so if you go back to petrol price of the two pounds like about, I think about a pound is just um, tax yeah of some yeah. form of some form whether it's VAT different, or whatever different form, duties it's about, yeah. it's about a pound so you know the government has uh, levers to get petrol price down it's just whether they want to 
want to do it or not well i I was just thinking that since uh, you know if we are approaching this this recession as they've warned um to hope they they filled up the coffers as much as possible to to help us get help the country get through it and hopefully it shouldn't be as uh, it's not as a deep one as it was uh the last time and what's what's been the biggest driving force for this has it been covid is it the the conflicts around it's been inflation uh and i'm no economist but i know there's been a range of different reasons of why we've had just such high inflation and it's just not just here in this mm. country it's, it's been globally um and there's various factors i mean they say you know the, the ukraine and russia war that's imp- that's had an I- impact on it you know in mentioning other countries uh, what i read was pretty interesting is that the for some countries that have benefited in this is iraq's economy mm. has been improving so much since the petrol prices went up okay. since fuel prices went up and you can see like um for some people it does it does benefit them because this, the, the economy was struggling for a while and when the prices went up they were able to you know raking some more money to help the economy and then again uh, seeing that as prices come down they're, they're, they're going to be struggling again yeah. um, so it's just funny that you see you know some people benefit some people you know really do have trouble with 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 what's happening yeah there's um there's a there's a few things right there's the you had the huge shocks from covid mm. um uh, so the money that was lent right uh, yeah and they were built and that was built and that and the effect that that had on supply chains you couldn't move goods around the world so that became more expensive so yeah. prices were going up um and then you had lots of money going on furlough as well yeah and and the like to keep people keep people going um and that was just driving prices up. And then you had the Ukraine-Russia war, which obviously affected uh, oil and gas mm. um, supplies into Europe and, the, and internationally, which really spiked, you know, petrol prices. Mm. And then also Ukraine is, uh, and I forget the exact percentage, but it's um, it's something like 70 or 80% of the world's grain comes exactly. from oh, yeah. that region. <clears throat> you know, that's so fundamental to, to staple foods mm. that that's driving up your the cost of your weekly shop essentially um, and not just that but so for us it's the, it's the cost of food going up but you know in some parts of the world it's actually the availability of food like yeah. there was low food there just food wasn't available mm. so I know there was a peace agreement reach in terms of allowing grain ships to go through mm-hmm. um, yeah. from from Ukraine because that this was becoming a real problem it just goes to show like you know whereas us it's a monetary issue but you know there is still food available but for some people it's it, it's oh, it's a lot worse you know yeah. in other countries where there just isn't that food available that's right that's right so you've got you know you basically in that instance you've got all these factors that are driving prices up yeah and that's why you're seeing inflation at nine percent at the moment mm. And then the Bank of England's view was they didn't want to try and tackle that, and they see raising interest rates as their main ability to tackle it. Mm. Uh, they didn't want to do that previously because they thought that would take the knees out of the economy in a, in a way that wouldn't would mean a very long a very long recession and deep recession. That was their view. Um, so they've waited until this moment with yeah. inflation running at 10%, potentially going higher. Didn't say going to like 13.3% yeah, or something. I think like. that's their forecast. The forecast is <coughs> yeah. for it to continue going up next before year. Before it comes down. Before yeah. it comes down to yeah. back to 2%. I think their aim is for 2024 to get yeah. it back to, 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 um, to 2%. And then at the same time, the aim would be to come out of the recession. So you're looking at kind of what they would see as a you know, one year downturn. Yeah. Um, but that all sounds very technical. That yeah. doesn't, you know, when you're when it's people's lives and yeah. you know your just your um, your ability to, to to meet payments, mortgage payments, weekly shops, energy bills going mm. up. So you know, 
yeah how it materializes is very different exactly very very different you know it's real people at the end of the day um yeah let's just hope and pray that whatever the situation is that people are able to make it through and if that means unscrewing your light bulb from your fridge uh, or even yeah. just like you putting know, an extra jumper on yeah unsubscribing from things that you don't really need and just making the most of your your means you know let's just hope that people can get through it um any other new stories that i think maybe going on from there we can talk about the hose pipe thing only because of uh oh yeah, the hose pipe the ban, yeah so yeah. again yeah what drought i mean yeah i guess so you know we're in the studio and you know it's farmland but yeah it's a very dry ground yeah. right now yeah. um <laughs> where the soil is in is looks like chunks of rock yeah i'm saying that's because of the dry drought and i know i've, I've got an apple watch and it tells you you know how long it's dry for and for the past few days i've been seeing it just keep saying dry for the next dry. 10 days dry for the next 10 yeah. days we know, haven't had proper rainfall in weeks no yeah. I, I don't Especially remember london, last london. it's been it's been a few weeks i mean there was some downpour um when it was really really hot it was just, yeah but the, the day after yeah but yeah. even then it wasn't a proper thunderstorm no, it, wasn't, no, it? No, it was really no. just a kind of couple yeah. of minutes well, where, where, where <coughs> i live and sorry there wasn't much of a uh, wasn't much of a down but yeah. there was a bit of rain that came yeah. out you're right but i think that was the last yeah. those the last few drops yeah. so what's been happening I, I know that they've been mentioning some concerns uh, across the uk but I, I also did read that london are quite comfortable at the moment with their reservoirs and, and their reserve amount but they are you know some areas i think are quite concerned about um you know the the water usage so that's why they put this hose hose pipe hose ban in yeah. after a certain time um i can't remember what area is exactly uh, but there is definitely a ban in place. I, I mean, I got an email from my water supplier telling uh, telling uh, me, you know, what they're doing to help and and what we can do to help and just reiterating that every drop counts. Yeah. Um, and they're having to pump, you know, gallons and gallons of extra water mm-hmm. uh, through their um, uh, their process to, to to get fresh water out to us, so they get clean water out to us. And yeah, it's just. You know, to, I've never had an email like that before. Yeah. It's interesting, um, isn't it? Because um, so I think the bans at the moment. I think it's uh, um, southeastern water and Anglian water. Yeah. So I think actually some areas of Hampshire mm. uh, and then some areas down towards Brighton okay. um, have have bans already in place. Um, and then I think as you as as you said, there's some warnings about. Um, well, I think most areas of the country potentially. Mm. But what's quite interesting is that the water companies are coming under quite a lot of um, criticism for these for these warnings and for these hosepipe bans because the amount of leakage from their reservoirs mm. is kind of off the charts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're very quick to say you should be watering your plants, yeah. um, but they're very slow to actually investing in their own infrastructure to yeah. stop the amount of uh, leaks that are going on. Oh, uh, and so know. they're getting, you know, really slammed for, you're getting really slammed for that, saying, yeah. you know, you've got to be ready for this and you've got to invest in your own your own process and your own company so that yeah. you haven't got as much leakage yeah. uh, rather than immediately going to the customer can the individuals and exactly say, it normally is always uh, comes to us isn't it um but you know what's interesting is um uh, when when i was living with my parents uh, we were having a bridge repair not too far from the house and what had happened is a construction company had um knocked the white water pipe which cut water supply to quite a few houses um on one side of the bridge and yeah we were one of them impacted and uh, thames water came in you know they they brought bottles of water straight away to you know to help people and i'm telling you that you would i had no idea how much water you use in, in a yeah. day i mean just for brushing your teeth whether you turn the tap straight off you know what or, or when you're washing your face 
it, you have absolutely no idea yeah. you how much water you use until you you know fill up bottles and you'll see this how much yeah. water i go through um yeah, yeah it's just it's it's crazy how much we rely on that so i mean you know we are very fortunate that we you know every time we do turn the tap on you know yeah. we can get water straight out you know there's no uh, <laughs> shortfall right yeah. now for that and but i guess in some places we know uh, it's not it's not as uh, granted it's incredible it's one of those things that i think we take for granted and we that you never really think about it like <clears throat> i never would have thought that we'd be getting emails about you know be, be careful about a drought that could be coming yeah uh, or that a, a ban could be coming about using your hose pipes but yeah I, I mean it's happened before we've had hose pipe <coughs> bans, in, bans in the past um, really? yeah this, I, um, there's been hose pipe bans in the past yeah. I definitely remember, remember this in the summers mm. um, but yeah I mean you know just I mean we all know climate climate change you know spoken about a lot as you said cop uh, yeah, you know, it comes up every time, and I think this is probably just a broader, you know, a broader indication of what's going to, you know, happen more and more often. Yeah. It's just more severe events, and sometimes that might mean really wet summers, yeah. um, and you know, abnormally wet summers, and other times it's mm. going to mean abnormally dry summers. And yeah. I think what you just we're going to almost have to get used to is just more extreme weather, weather events. events and, yeah. And um, and we have to take a long term view on 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 how to how to solve that, and and otherwise we're going to have these problems, and you know our water companies and other companies simply won't be ready and won't have the infrastructure in place yeah. to handle it. And I think you know what's interesting is when you talk about the um, when we're talking about the, the cost of living crisis, price of petrol, all, this, all that type of stuff is, you know, because of that, you know, all of a sudden there's a focus again on oil and gas and there's a focus on okay let's increase supply and get more of it into the system because it deals with that short-term problem of uh, of high petrol prices the problem being if you keep making you know short-term decisions like that which you know might alleviate our but you know economic problems in the short term you're gonna have, you're just storing up you know more trouble for a, a later day and and you know, if you keep pushing the, the 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 challenge of addressing climate change down the road, there's only a, there's you know there's only a small window the scientists yeah. would say to addressing it, uh, and then our costs are going to go up yeah, much yeah. much higher. You know what, there's, with that. there's things we saw on the news about you know wildfires and other wildfires and other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's actually something that has started to potentially impact um, over here as well in the UK as well yeah. um, there's, there's threats of this um, I don't know if not threats it's actually happened they're they're for they're 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 yeah, yeah. yeah there was one that, um, I was driving into London a few weeks ago uh, for football I think it was Monday it was a Monday evening and there was a fire in one of our farms I forgot the name of it uh, it was on the news as well wow. and we lost I think it was a couple of hectares of, of, of land um, so yeah it, it wasn't just in uh, around here it was up and down the country there have been quite a few wildfires yeah there were some crazy fires when the, when those temperatures got to 40 degrees yeah. quite a few videos went off off yeah. some of the motorways I think yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. just uh, you know that it, to be honest until that mo until I saw those videos I'd taken quite a uh, kind of lesser fair approach to most of the warnings that were yeah, going yeah, on I was, so I was kind of like well whatever I'm yeah, getting training to work is air conditioning yeah. on in the office whatever yeah. this is all people getting quite excited no. but, you know it's only 38 degrees or yeah. whatever. like come on and uh, you see and the then, smoke billowing yeah, in the air like, exactly. oh wow it's and actually that, that hot yeah and I saw yeah. those videos you know it's the type of videos you're used to seeing in I don't know Australia yeah. or, um, yeah. or California wildfires yeah. you know where it get, you know and you, you saw it here and you know, happening in the Midlands and you're you know you're like wow yeah okay yeah 
yeah, no. It, 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 like even the one that I saw, literally, I just saw smoke billowing behind the trees, and I was like, oh damn. Then, you know, later on, I just came up in the news, and yeah, it was quite, it was quite extreme. But um, we're going to take a short break, uh, and please do feel free to give us a call on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or you could tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Just after the break, we're going to uh, go into a few more news stories, um, and then in the second hour, as mentioned, we're going to, do, we're going to be talking about Justice Lana, uh, the convention, the annual convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and the progression that we've seen uh, in recent years. So please stay with us, and we'll join you very shortly. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu was known for his great governance. He would often patrol the streets at night to ensure nobody was left suffering unduly. On one occasion, he was walking in the dark and he heard some children crying. Attracted by the sound, he went to the tent from which it came. Whenever he got to the tent, he saw a woman sitting before a fire. It appeared the woman was cooking something while her small children sat crying nearby. It was late for the children to have their meal. Umar, radiallahu anhu, stepped up to the woman and inquired, what is in the pot on the fire? She explained that she had no food to give the children and had placed the pot full of water and stones on the fire in order to give them the impression that the food would be ready. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, was distressed to hear this. He hurried back to the state store, picked up a bag of flour, meat, cooking oil, and some dates, and rushed back to the tent. His servant begged him to let him carry the load, but he refused, saying, It is my responsibility. You will not carry my burden on the day of judgment. Arriving at the tent, he delivered the provisions to the woman and told her to prepare the meal. In the meantime, the children, so exhausted, had fallen asleep. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, waited until the meal was fully prepared and the children were awakened and fed. The woman thanked him for his kindness and by way of expressing gratitude said, it would be far better if you were the Khalifa of the Muslims rather than that Umar, who is not aware of the condition of his people. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, said, Well, mother, Umar may not be so bad after all. We live in the age of buttons, where a single button can order us a takeaway or signal the beginning of a nuclear war. At a time when the fabric of our society is ever-changing and ever-tearing, where nations are remodeled overnight and billions of dollars are lost in an instant, we are no doubt standing at a pit of uncertainty. With global suicide rates ever increasing and the threat of a third world war ever looming, our eyes strain for a solution to this epidemic of unrest. But one voice has spoken out in the darkness, addressing the global public and leaders of the world time and time again. A voice of reason, logic, 
and the overwhelming power of truth. This voice, a beacon of light, exists in the visionary of this age. His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed, Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the global spiritual leader and guide for tens of millions of Muslims around the world. If we are to leave behind a legacy of hope for our children and bequeath a peaceful world to our future generations, we, irrespective of our religion or beliefs, need to urgently change our priorities. Instead of being consumed by materialism and a desire for power, every nation, whether rich or poor, must prioritize the peace and security of the entire world above all else. Instead of embarking on an arms race leading to death and destruction, we must join the race to save and protect humanity. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah and welcome back to Saturday morning live. May peace, be, peace and blessings of God be upon you all. You're joined with myself, Mudabir Khalid, uh, and my friends and my co presenters, Shoaib Zafar and Hamza Vanderman. Uh, we were talking about the news headlines that have um, been present in the last uh, week or so. Um, we, we mentioned quite a few news stories and we're going to continue for the next, for the remainder of this hour, uh, after which we'll be talking about Jalsa Salana UK um, and the progression of Jalsa. So uh, one of the stories I want to go on to now, I'll go on to Shui for that, is the uh, China and Taiwan tensions. What's been happening, Shui? Correct, yep. So, uh, I mean, this is all escalating um, as uh, Nan- well, it's really coming to, uh, you know, into the into headlines as Nancy Pelosi uh, visited Taiwan. Uh, she's been one of the most senior uh, officials to visit Taiwan in the last 25 years. Um, and as the UN doesn't recognize uh, Taiwan as a sovereign state uh, what the issue China have is someone so senior visiting Taiwan makes it looks like that they believe that it's a sovereign state and it's not part of China China believe it's part of um, their own country yeah. it's, uh, and they have in the past said that it's something that they will take back and by force if necessary uh, and we've, we've you know after what's happened with Russia and Ukraine you know there's just we I just think the world can't take any chances where we don't know how what can happen yeah. uh, so you know huge escalation where China started test firing live uh, missiles um, around Taiwan so yeah exactly right over so again very <coughs> scary stuff and I guess just some warnings that we've always heard from uh, the leader uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um, as a Mr. Masoud Ahmed, who's you know said if if the world doesn't take you know heed on on, on the actions or, or you know politicians don't take the right actions, mm-hmm. uh, the consequences can potentially lead to World War Three, yeah. um, and you know it's it's a very gloom outlook at the moment because of 
we just already we've spoken about inflation we've spoken about cost of living crisis we're talking about recessions but we've touched upon the ukraine and russia war mm-hmm. uh, and you know and now we, we're having another problem that's come up mm-hmm. in the world uh, along with all the other million things that we're dealing with and uh, now we've you know got to you know try to find a peaceful way out of this as well um so, so yeah what's very she thinking what's she think what, what's, what's her what's her reason for going there exactly i mean <laughs> i i guess so one thing they've said is that whilst they st- do you know they are more aligned with china uh things china and u.s relations have been improving uh what she said she was going there for was just to say that they do still recognize taiwan's um i guess their attempts to become a sovereign nation and a, a separate democratic elected government which obviously china doesn't sad, recognize. yeah i feel like it's quite sad it's like we 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 can see that you're trying but we still don't recognize you exactly yeah um sometimes that might be quite enraging as well for the citizens of taiwan as well it's like what are you here for then exactly yeah so i mean it's uh well you know she is a very senior person in 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 the u.s uh going there makes a big difference yeah yeah, of course similar when uh i think when you know there was a around uh the u.s embassy moving to jerusalem as well that was quite a big off those instances where Mm. you know having that someone of seniority visit this place it almost puts down an emphasis of that this is right now now that i'm here and this is what me being here shows is that Mm. i recognize this as as you know truth or or whatever it may be so it's just along those lines of someone so senior going there um it's it's strange i mean uh, i don't think so the whole u.s was behind agreeing with nancy pelosi going there mm. uh, not everyone agreed uh, not everyone in government <coughs> agreed um but yeah just it just shows the volatility of the situation right now um and the fragile <laughs> i guess so, yeah. lines of peace yeah. in, in in across the world as well um and you know just hopefully you know things do uh, de-escalate and and things that, that you know people can come to the table to try and discuss a way out of this yeah, it does seem like, you know, a lot of these superpowers as well, especially, you know, Russia and China are quite on edge. Well, we know Russia has already gone over the edge, um, but other superpowers are quite on the edge about what's what's happening. And it is quite worrying and can be scary as well. And it's, it's interesting. I mean, most of our lives, we, we've just seen peacetime. I mean, mm-hmm. we haven't seen war or, you know, post-Second World, we've, we've enjoyed such a long stretch of peacetime apart from obviously there's been issues in the Middle East and mm. so forth um, <clears throat> but mainly for, for for the UK we haven't really seen this and it's, mm. almost, it's quite a scary thing that you know could something happen uh, we've seen like political landscape changing I mean since the Russia and Ukraine war we've had uh, uh, who was it which were the two countries that joined uh, NATO the Nordic countries was um, uh, Sweden and um, Sweden's one of them and there's a bunch Denmark, maybe. Anyway, no, but yeah, there were so you know these things. Is, there's so much changes that are happening now mm. on the back of this, and people are realizing that the world may, possibly isn't as safe as it as it as it was. And yeah. I think we took that piece for granted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just like I said, uh, countless times, the head of the Muslims community, Azam Azam he's he's told us um, in in Friday sermons and other sermons, you know, about how world leaders should act. Um, and the actions they take, uh, you know, he's written to them as well, yeah. countless times as well. Yeah. 
and it's just what our 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 community preaches as well it's just peace um the message of peace is constant um that there's always a way to to you know to to resolve issues yeah. before before turning to something you know before turning to violence yeah no definitely and there's um really pray and and hope and pray for people that might be uh, impacted by this as well uh, that you know the peace does come about and that people can actually take heed of his holiness's words and uh, really reflect on their actions and behaviors so uh, let's move on to another story Hamza I believe you had a story for us yeah it's an interesting one <clears throat> um, kind of to do with fake news and um, what's happening in America so Alex Jones uh, the infamous radio jock for Infowars who's known as a bit of a conspiracy theorist Mm. Uh, but he has a very wide following, um, firstly amongst uh, Donald Trump fans, but also mm. just more broadly amongst some of the uh, some of the right in the um, in the US. And he had previously made uh, quite outrageous claims about the Sandy Hook uh, primary school shooting, um, which took place back in 2012. Uh, and he kind of made these outrageous claims that it was a government hoax, government setup in order to try and. Uh, in, increase re- gun regulation. So he yeah. was basically accusing the government of setting up this uh, atrocity um, so that it could then uh, propagate an argument um, and increase gun regulation and take guns out of um, the of individuals' hands. It's quite an outrageous um, thing to say, and he's been pushing that over the last few years. Uh, and what's interesting is, I think previously, you know, that would have been it. He would have he's he would have expected that he's just saying these outrageous things on radio um, but there's no real victim there there's Mm. no one to therefore sue him but on this occasion the family uh, the families came together they've sued him there was a trial taking place over the last couple of weeks and he's just been hit with a 50 million dollar fine for uh, defamatory costs which you know I think it sends a real signal to people out there that if you're going to uh, publicly push these conspiracy theories uh, there could well be a cost and there could well be an impact so yeah. be very careful with your words so I think this is a you know good signal to people that you can't just go out there and say whatever you want yeah. um, without there being a, without there being an impact and a cost 100% and I think it's, it is quite um it's it's, it's it's ludicrous that you know someone can actually say that it, it was a hoax when people's lives were actually at risk and people did did lose their lives mm-hmm. 20 children and six adults lost their lives there and that's 20 children especially when children pass away you think you know they're, they're the future they're the future of our generation so when they lose their lives it's a much bigger impact so for him to say that it was a hoax or it was staged or whatever words that he puts it in is i think is it is quite um yeah, I think he should be really careful of the words that he It's uses. so dangerous when you hold 100%. power over people and you and they do, you know, believe every word of yours. If you're not preaching, I mean, I think it's just you've got a moral responsibility where you have the power, the influence to make real change and and rather than do that, you would almost it's almost like you're pushing your own agenda yeah. or something yeah, that yeah. you're doing that you're you're doing this. I mean, you know, uh, it's just yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sad that you know you, you 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 do this and rather than pushing the message of peace, you're trying to you're almost like adding fuel to the fire yeah, yeah. to make things worse off. Yeah, yeah, and this is an important precedent I think in kind of the age of social media, where everybody seems to have the channel to just voice their opinions to the public and say what they think. And mm-hmm. because of the ease of which anyone can do it, people think they can 
kind of say what you want there's freedom of speech obviously people think that extends to literally everything everything yeah. and I think this is just a you know a good example of that you can't just go out there and say what you want there yeah. there are impacts there are people's lives at stakes and um, you know you can't just go out there and push falsehoods to big audiences and think that there's no um, there's no fallback yeah 100% I think even off the back of that we've seen a rise in a, a number of organisations that debunk fake news yeah. and it actually they're really big organisations now that do that uh, and it is you know, even the term fake news I'm sure it came around through during the Trump era <laughs> um, but it is such a, a widely known phrase now you know the amount of news that comes out and you have to think about oh is this actually true or not and then there's organisations that will go and fact debunking yep fact checking one exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah. but you're, Hamza you're completely right you know that um, social media has given rise and power to people who have absolutely no education or history or experience or any sort of expertise in journalism research investigation they'll hear something and think oh this has happened and then they'll just spread it and then that's when you get rumours and lies and rumours uh, and then it is very dangerous it's, it's very, almost very a wormhole once you click onto one video and then before you know it you're <laughs> you know, ended up you, somewhere you, yeah exactly yeah, I mean, very dangerous it would start off with someone you know with a, nearly a, a practical theory around okay potential life outside of the planet and before you know it, we're living on a flat surface with you know <laughs> sleeping with hangers on our ceilings and, <laughs> and the <agents> <laughs> Exactly. I mean, um, it's just, yeah, some people do take things very serious, uh, to take very far. Yeah, um, yeah and it almost becomes fact to them. Yeah. It's yeah. no longer theory. This is fact, and, and we're being lied to, yeah. and it's very dangerous. 100%. Um, so one quick story that uh, I thought was quite important what to share was um, of uh, Archie Battersby, who's a child who unfortunately... Um, is due to lose his life this morning he's been in a coma for a number of months uh, and there's been a big trial around whether uh, he should live or whether he should um, uh, be his life support should be taken away unfortunately he's lost the appeal his family have lost the appeal to keep him alive uh, let's remember them in our prayers and our thoughts uh, and uh, wish that their parents can get through this uh, it is quite unfortunate even the parents weren't allowed to move him from a hospital to a hospice which the parents were really fighting for uh, for him to have some sort of some dignity in yeah. death and also uh, some privacy for their family uh, during these these troubled times um, there is a longer conversation that can take place around this which is like you know who decides uh, who stays alive and who, who loses the life support but uh, we are going to go on a short break now uh, after which we'll be discussing as mentioned the uh, progression of Justice Islam in the UK but we'll also be joined by our other co-presenter Usman Bhatt Sahib who um, will be joining and uh, uh, taking part in the conversation as well so please stay tuned uh, call us on 0208-687-7878 or tweet us as at Voice of Islam UK Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh May peace and blessings of God be upon you all You are back with us on Saturday Morning Live Right here uh, in Alton in Hampshire At the 56th annual Judd Saslana the, uh, the annual convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, And you are joined with myself, Madabri Khalid My co-presenters uh, are Shweb Zafir, Hamza Vandaman And in addition to our team this morning We have Usman Bhatt Sahib Good morning Usman uh, Assalamu alaikum Wa alaikum salam Thank you so much for having us uh, so 
as mentioned in the first hour, this hour we're going to be focusing on the progression of Jalsa Salana and, and some special stories potentially about Jalsa Salana and how we've seen Jalsa progress. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned as well, one of the hallmarks of Jalsa is uh, the progression and, and the scale of Jalsa, uh, you know, over the years has been grown exponentially, exponentially, exponentially. Yeah, you got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about, um, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, how we've seen uh, Jalsa progress in our personal lives and also the numbers as well. So the numbers, obviously, numbers don't lie. Uh, the the, the yep. phrase, numbers don't lie. And numbers actually don't lie, especially when it comes to the Indian Muslim community. And I think just to start off, well, I think for me, one of the most uh, staggering things that I found was last year we had a sort of, we had a Jalsa, we had an annual convention, but it wasn't an annual convention in the, in the normal sense at all. You know, we didn't have any international guests because of COVID. Because of COVID, of course, yeah, because of the pandemic, um, we didn't have any international guests. And even for the for the local guests, for the national guests over here in the UK, we were only allowed unless you're a worker, you're only allowed to come for one day. You're only a given one day slot. So you know the work had been reduced very drastically, limited. very limited. But even then, when our numbers were reported at the end of the number of converts we had an increase from the previous Jalsa, which took place yeah. in 2019, because we didn't have a 2020 Jalsa. So even during COVID, the pandemic, there were still hundreds of mosques being built. There were hundreds of Jamaats being established around the world during this pandemic, which was very deadly, very mm. rapidly spreading. And even then, hundreds of thousands of uh, members entered the fold of Ahmed. It's, it's interesting, actually, because uh, I remember reading during COVID, um, there was this article, this research done that actually the number of people that turn towards religion during crisis it yeah. increases and I know often people um, present the question that if there was a God why is this all happening mm -hmm. but actually on the other end of that a lot of people turn to God for support and look mm -hmm. for answers mm -hmm. um, and that was a huge it, was, it wasn't a few this was a, a massive increase but actually I wanted to present now for, for the benefit of the listeners who maybe don't know what Jalsa is and this is all foreign to them what we're saying I'm just going to read an uh, extract from the writings of the Promised Messiah so the Promised Messiah is the founder of our community uh, and this Jalsa this uh, gathering started in his time and his own words with regards to Jalsa is such he states that do not consider this gathering to be the same as the likes of any ordinary worldly gathering rather the case of this is such that it is founded upon the pure support of truth and the propagation of Islam. The foundation stone of this community has been laid by Allah, the Almighty himself, and the nations have been prepared that will soon come and join its fold. This is because it is the work of the all-powerful being for whom nothing is impossible. And this for me, so this is, again, it it's, just reminds us of the purpose um, behind this gathering. And I always say and I always explain to people in simple words, it's like we come here for our spiritual emotion. Mm. It's such a spirit, like it's, the atmosphere here is like none other. It's, um, you're just, for example, I'll, I'll give you uh, an example. Like we're, as Muslims, we're instructed to offer prayers in congregation five times a day. Yeah. And the commandment is to do it in congregation. So to go to your mosque and read it as a community. Now, naturally, if the mosque is maybe 20, 25, 30 minutes away, you would try to gather to what's convenient to you, maybe at someone's house, so you, you know, create a salat center. But during these days, keeping in mind that this gathering, the foundation of it was laid by the promised Messiah, who we believe to be the second coming of Jesus. He was a prophet in our eyes. 
um, not in our eyes, he was a prophet. Mm. The blessings that are attached to this gathering, the prayers that he did for those who attend this gathering, is so immense that you go out of your way. So even for example, I, I live in Stevenage. We have a booked a hotel nearby. It's about twenty five minute drive, but still, that w- is close enough for me to say I want to read our morning prayer behind our, His Holiness. And I came this morning, and it was such a beautiful feeling to wake up at. So we got up at three thirty, make sure we got her on time, and. To be in a marquee where maybe two, three hundred people were present, were all there for the same mm. purpose. As you're standing in like a shoulder to shoulder with your brothers, there's no element of class, um, you know, no element of judgment. We're all there to please God, mm. and it's such a strong form of unity. Yeah, uh, and it just, you know, it's so refreshing, yeah. especially these last two years where we've not been able to do that. Yeah. Even I think slowly now we're going back to normal, but in the last two years it's. Even in our prayers, we've not really been allowed to stand shoulder to shoulder. We've had to be a little gap. Yeah. Um, we've not even allowed to go to mosques. Yeah. So, for me, th- this this whole jalsa, the whole spiritual side of it. I know, mm. like, there's a physical side as well. Actually, coming here and, and it's mm. outdoors and then you know it's a three day event. But the spiritual side of it, it's it's priceless. It's something that you can only understand once you've experienced it. Yeah. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah. It's yeah, definitely. I think I agree with what you say. Um, it's so hard to explain what this is in words jealous i mean if we just go back to you know right now we're it's still limited because it's just national we haven't got all our international guests and we can see it's far more scaled down but still you can feel there's a special presence in the air um but i, I remember when, when even when the first day ends and i walk through those gates where we, where we come through we come through our scanning when i'm walking back out of there i, I do feel a bit sad mm-hmm. that okay yeah. look day one's really done um and then day two and then by the time it's day three it's really sad because you see people you know starting to you know get to work and start dismantling yeah. things and it's actually quite depressing thing okay it's like you know it's so, over it's and it's so hard to explain if it's something you have to experience yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you two examples and they like obviously you, you may be listening thinking obviously you're Hindi Muslims you're gonna say that mm. uh, I'll give you two examples of things I've witnessed of non-Hemdi Muslims um, people actually who aren't even Muslims who are have happened to be at the event and how they feel I remember once I was um, I was serving in the scanning department and part of this site there's a public road so if anyone turns up and says look I'm just walking on this public road we can't deny them access we have to let them through so it was a Sunday and on the Sunday it's a special day for us it's it's the day that we have the Pledge of Allegiance it's something that all Ahmadi Muslims across the world probably the highlighting highlight of the Jalsa yeah yeah. so it was that day so anyway there was this elderly white couple that came and uh, I was then assigned the duty to kind of escort them just around the site to make sure they're okay so that's what I did I uh, I was walking around and um, all of a sudden now the announcements were being made that it's time for the pledge everyone please get ready so I explained to them that we're just about to do this pledge Uh, if you guys can just wait to one side as soon as the pledge is finished I'll take you for a cup of tea and we'll go for lunch he said yeah no problem okay so they're now waiting on the side Uh, part of the pledge is it's again it's a huge form of unity where we, we all connect with one another by touching each other and all of us we lead to our imam and our imam is kind of reading the pledge um, and that way we're all connected and we kind of refresh our faith and remind ourselves of our responsibilities. So we're now doing this. It's very emotional. Yeah. It's very emotional. It, it, you can see it online. If you go to YouTube, you'll be able to see it. And now I didn't realize, but someone put their shoulder hand on my shoulder as well. 
as they do. I had my hand on someone's shoulder, someone put their hand on my shoulder. Now, when the pledge finished, I turned around and the person that it was, it was the elderly white gentleman. Oh, wow. And uh, he was in tears. I was in tears. Mm. Naturally, I, but the thing is, I knew why I was in tears because I understood exactly yeah. what's happening. Yeah. I looked at him and he was in tears as well. Mm. And then at the end of it, we do sajda, so we, we bow. And then I said to him, I was like, quickly, oh, so the last part of this pledge is we, we prostrate and we do a quick prayer. You don't have to, but whatever you feel is comfortable. I think he was quite old, so he couldn't get down. But anyway, I did sajda. And I got up and we embraced each other. Oh, and then uh, he just said to me, he goes, I had no idea what this is or what I've just done, <laughs> but I just felt such a urge mm. and I felt so spiritual in yeah. that moment that I had to take part in it. And then that for me, I'm never going to forget that because it was, um, he had no idea yeah. what he's doing. He just, in the moment, just, you know, was attracted to what was happening. Similar to this incident, there's one more incident and I'll let Hamza come in as well. There's one more incident where I, again, had the honor to serve in the sound team. Mm. So the sound system team and their responsibility is to make sure that the sound gets to every corner of this site and everyone can listen to whenever His Holiness is speaking or whenever there's an address by any, any speaker. The people that we hire, they're external, so they're not Muslims. They're external companies that come and help us um, in that role. I remember that one year, so during this same incident, during the Pledge of Allegiance, we, I was inside the Marquido this time. Uh, and again, so the pledge started, we all were there. Inside it's even more emotional because you hit the echo and you're mm. just there, it's, the moment is surreal. So at the end of it, again, I'm in tears, everyone's in tears, and then I look at, uh, the guy's name was Matt, I don't know if he's still here, this was like many years ago, and he's in tears. And I went up to him, I was like, are you okay? What was everything okay? And he goes, "Yeah, it's just." He goes, "That was so powerful yeah. that it's um, I, I can't tell you why I'm crying." He goes, "But that was so powerful. I've never felt or experienced anything like that." Mm. And uh, that for me was a huge thing. That actually, do you know what? It's not just us. Like I know we're from a young age. Obviously, we've been coming to these conventions. But even if an external was to come here and, and experience it they will feel that level of spirituality. And I remember actually on MTA, so MTA is our uh, Muslim television Ahmadiyya, there was a documentary that they put out yesterday with regards to Jalsa, how this Christian group came to Jalsa a few years back. Uh, with the they came with like a cross the and cross, they, they came with the intention yeah. to preach. They were like, literally we're, right yeah, here we're gonna We're going to come preach. So even then, we're like, yeah, by all means, come in. Yeah. Um, and I think that anyway, I don't want to give away too much of that documentary. It's online. Go watch it. But the point I'm trying to make is, as Ahmadi Muslims, we have an open door policy. You know, we we are we practice what we preach. Yeah. So, what we're talking about when we talk about Jalsa and why it's so special, is because honestly, if you come here with the right intention, it can have an everlasting effect on your life and how you see things and your spirituality. Yeah. I think your stories will trump all of our stories. Right? <laughs> no, probably no point, but yeah, that, that is really Thank you powerful. for that. Yeah, I honestly. set the bar very high. <laughs> but it's, you, I mean, you were lucky enough to have those experiences of people's experience of Beth. And Beth, as we mentioned earlier, is the highlight of Justice mm -hmm. Lana. And, you know, is is if you think about it, it the Beth itself, the Pledge of Allegiance, is so overpowering. Yeah. Just the sound of it alone travels for your body is yeah. crazy it's immense it's so powerful yeah. honestly so powerful 
and um, yeah the, the experience itself like you can't help but cry yeah. you can't help but you just be weak and just feel the yeah. overwhelming surge of you know emotions during the, the, the Pledge of Allegiance but um, yeah it's really incredible um, yeah, I remember yesterday as well during His Holiness's um, sermon he mentioned as well like the blessings of Jalsa and how that if you come here with the right intention and there's certain prayers you know like if you do them in the right way um, there's no way that you won't benefit from yeah. from this gathering um, yeah. you know there's simple things in our faith for example we mentioned about congregational prayer there's a narration of the Holy Prophet may peace be on him where he says with regards to congregational prayer encouraging his members to go to the mosque he said that every he goes I'll tell you one thing that can increase your status when it comes to good deeds and in the eyes of God and the companions like yeah God, uh, oh Prophet God please do tell us and he said that to do ablution properly even when you don't feel like doing it and to go to your mosque and read congregational prayer because every step that you take with one step God Almighty forgives your sin and with the other step he elevates your status mm -hmm. so that again like these are small small things even when you do ablution there's so much blessing in ablution there's one narration that the Holy Prophet may peace be on him says that when you do ablution and you do it properly you should do it properly because one of the rewards is with every water that drops off of your body that's one sin that God Almighty forgives so it's about knowing these things and actually when you're doing them thinking about it yeah. and it's only then when you you know because ultimately like I said for us we're born and raised MD Muslims we we, as a young children we absorb our teaching so we see our parents praying so we naturally start praying and if we don't question it ourselves if we don't start asking you know why do I do this what's the wisdom behind this and if we don't answer those questions then we will ever just go on our lives just doing this as any normal practice just actions really, as actions yeah. yeah and sometimes it's, it's just human nature. Sometimes we do things when we need it. So, for example, when we're in real need, then we turn to God. Like as I said, even with this COVID, mm -hmm. there was a huge rise when it came to people searching for God. Yeah. But it's about not just needing God or turning to God in time of need, but also turning to Him in times of happiness yeah. and when you don't need Him. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, back to our Jalsa program. Mm -hmm. the, re the reason I mentioned Jalsa was is because, again, it's all those are things we're supposed to be doing in normal days yeah. and with this event like it's you go out of your way you want to put an extra effort in yeah. to do all those things because you know the reward is so much greater 100% and for me I think you know, uh, one of the most well one of the important parts of Jalsa as Azul mentioned His Holiness mentioned yesterday in his uh, Friday sermon as well is the um, looking after the guests and the hospitality yeah, of the yeah, guests and also how guests should be behaving as well but also the, a, a, a big part of his sermon was about how to treat the guests and the reason why I mentioned that is because you know me and Usman go yeah. way way back and one of the first duties that I had well, actually one of the first duties I had as we all had was probably water, water duty yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. when we were duty. young children six seven years old and we going along the roads handing water I mean even that I have not seen anywhere else in no other community in no and nowhere else in the world I have seen it personally apart from the Ahmadi Muslim community and that's something so small something so simple but a water can be so refreshing and it's performed by young children 
and it's, it's incredible but uh, I was coming back to the, the hospitality part and one of the first duties I had when I was probably about 15, 16 I was with a with Smart Button that was in the reserve and we were looking yeah, after the uh, international guests and it started off with uh, us in Guildford uh, University. Uh, Surrey yeah. University accommodation in Guildford we'd start a week before sometimes eight, nine days before just so. as soon as the first guest lands yeah. Where it's now our yeah. responsibility to look after their travel, their food, their accommodation, all their needs uh, until in, they depart yeah. back. Up until the last guest leaves, and again, that's probably could be like 10 days after Jalsa. Mm. And those 20 odd days, honestly, it was absolutely amazing, incredible. The number of guests that we met from all over the world. There was one time we met that king of a tribe in Benin. He had that gold yeah. stick and he yeah, wore yeah, like yeah, a gold yeah. hammer. You, look, you look might remember he did the speech as well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, incredible. Um, you know, even just learning about their own traditions and how they live, uh, even so, you know, they're, they're, they all have their own way of staying in a particular, uh, in the flat they live. You know, one, one of the guests, said that his him and his wife you might remember would have to eat separately do, yeah. do you remember so you see yeah. different i think yeah. yeah i think one of the things i learned from from the, what you're talking about is one how diverse the community is 100%. because like is, is this is something you only experience when you come here because for example our tv station is broadcasting uh, internationally in terms of all of the western countries but also the special broadcast for all of the african countries yeah. the special board for all the arab countries the um, Every country where the where the community is established, they are gathering to watch this together. But when it's a full-fledged jalsa and there's no restrictions, then when you come to this event, it's not just... I know some people think we're just a community of Pakistanis, but that's not the case. You come to this event and you see it, the diver- level of diversity yeah. and how far this message... You know, th- there's a reason why the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is the fastest-growing... Uh, one of the fastest-growing sects within Islam. Yeah. It's, you see it at this event it's because we practice what we preach and I think it's only when you like we said when you come to this event that you understand that but mm-hmm. you're right I still remember that as well it, it was great seeing I think service in itself generally whether you're religious or not you you get a good feeling by yeah. helping others yeah. uh, and I think that's one thing that anyone on here because there's over like I would say two three thousand volunteers yeah. who help um, run this event so and it's they all do it to the uh, the whole wisdom and the whole intention behind our service is to win the pleasure of God. Yeah. So that's you, that's something common in everyone. You know, I also want to say is that coming to this event, yes, it's very spiritual, it's very religious, but a huge part of it is just having the right morals. I mean, the yeah. things that the that Hazrat Mizam Surah, the leader of the Ahmadiyya community, tells us, it's nothing we don't know. Mm these are things that we do know but he is the reason why he is repeating these things in so many of his sermons is he's reminding us and when we hear it like that when it's constantly rem, you're reminded of something mm. of how to behave in, in, in a certain way or how to behave with guests it helps you you say okay do you know what it helps stick in your mind more mm. and so I wouldn't say that this is you'd come here you know if you think if people are you know unsure about visiting the judge started thinking okay no they'll try to convert me or mm. something like this I mean you could come in just for the experience of just the morals that we're, we're taught here mm. I mean I've, I've told this to you know my non-Muslim friends at work is that even Islam mm. I mean you might I know if I was to you know ask you what you think about the Quran you'd probably mention maybe one or two 
things out of it out of the millions of things it mentions and that's only because it's been highlighted in the media whereas majority of it is about just morals yeah. the oneness of God and how to behave and I think if, if people just take those things as examples I mean in, and implement those into their lives yeah. you know you'd make such a difference so I mean coming here you're not necessarily just going to learn about religion but you learn about some very very basic human principles yeah, about how to treat one another and you know in the in, in his speech yesterday his holiness did mention this about how to be said about the treatment of guests yeah. and how much emphasis he put on yeah. this one subject i think he spent an hour on it mm. about the treatment of guests yeah. and, and we say that all of us here are the guests of the promised messiah who is the leader of the emdia community this is we are here for him we are his guests and you know it's, it, it just the it's, I can't just say it's an event it's an experience it really um, is yeah, I mean yeah. if you if all of us were to walk from one part of from here to the other part of uh, of the site I think it would take probably maybe half an hour because we'd be stopped for a month double the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly you're, you're a lot more popular but yeah we, we, we'd be stopped just because so much. I'm overweight basically. my pace of walking is slow that sums up <laughs> I mean like you know when, when it's the when it's the full inshallah hopefully God willing next year we'll have it'll be the international community will be here as well yeah. Um, but yeah uh, it's just uh, if you just stop and just look around I mean look at all the flags we've got up here yeah. um, representing and, and yeah you just look around you see and it's not just there but it's everywhere you'd see us there's a mix of nationalities a mix of languages I mean it's just yeah what what experience I think, I, think, I mean there's two things that I would highlight there's two things that I would highlight one is probably the, as you've just said that sense of community mm. and I think um, you know coming out of Covid but also just generally in society at the moment individuals living their own lives um, a lack of connection to people whether it be you know neighbors family or other people there's just that that is the way that society generally is moved and so when people come to an event like this and you see a global community come together um, united helping each other and here as one you know external guests see that and they you know that is a that is really powerful when you know in their in their everyday lives they probably don't have that um because yeah. of the way that society's moved and so that i think that has huge huge impact and and then kind of allied to that is as as we mentioned the fact that this is basically set up and run by thousands of volunteers you know people can't believe that there's almost yeah. an assumption that there's this army of full-time employees <laughs> who would be needed to set something yeah, like this yeah. up and people literally can't believe you don't believe you and you say oh no it's this is just this is set up and organized by the community because we want it to be a success we want to run it and individuals therefore sacrifice their time um to put on this huge event people can't believe it and i think you know those two things for me always stand out because you know people from outside the community just can't can't get their heads around it a lot yeah, of the time yeah. literally can't get their heads around it yeah. I just wanted to actually take this opportunity again to, to read another extract from the writings of the promised Messiah the founder of our community with regards to the aims and objectives of this gathering of this Jalsa Salana so the promised Messiah states the key purpose of this convention is to enable every sincere individual to personally experience religious benefit to broaden their knowledge and to deepen their understanding of Allah the Almighty by the grace and opportunity given by Him. Apart from this, the other benefits rest here to have escalation of acquaintanceship. Acquaintance. Oh, I need to read that word properly. Acquaintance. 
Acquaintanceship. Acquaintanceship. That's the right word. Yeah, there you go. Acquaintanceship among all brothers, and this will strengthen the loving relationship within the community. This is one of the needs of this jalsa, and strategies for the spiritual well-being of Europe and America should be put forward. For this is now a proven fact that good-natured and sincere people of Europe and America are preparing to enter the fold of Islam. When I read this, actually, it, it's um, it's so true because you see it as well. And I think one of the things I wanted to touch upon as well is every day there's a highlight of the day. And of course, the highlight is when His Holiness addresses the world. Um, and today, normally on Saturday, the third session, His Holiness mentions the um, how the community has developed over the last year and pro the progression of the community. And for me, that, that address is so faith. I mean, all of the addresses are faith-inspiring, but that one in itself, because I listen to it, and I'm sure when people listen to it, it's, it just is another evidence of the truthfulness of this community, for me. That where when you hear stories of the progression, but not just in terms of, obviously there's progression in terms of numbers, but then there's also progression in terms of personal accounts of why people have chosen to convert and leave everything behind and understood that this is the true Islam. And I'll give you one or two examples I've experienced myself um, with people and their stories. And this is something His Holiness mentions in the address during this, uh, the third session. I remember there was, um, there was this uh, lady from one of the so I, I serve as a um, minister of religion as an imam for the community um, and I'm posted in Hertfordshire region uh, and within that region there was this lady who contacted our community member saying that I want to turn I want to become a Muslim now at that time how I came to find out about it was I got a call saying can you come there's this uh, Polish lady saying that she wants to convert to Islam. I wasn't available that day because I was visiting another another sect within our in our community, another branch within our community. But I told the president of that of that local uh, branch to you set the meeting and then I'll come again. He then told me he goes basically what happened. If I was to tell you, I mean I'll say it to you. Picture this. If I said to you that there's a middle-aged woman who called and basically said that she wants to convert to Muslim to Islam, you would have a certain image in your mind that if someone at that age is converting to Islam, it's of a particular person, she'll probably present herself in a certain way, she's probably done research or whatever it may be. He goes, when this lady came to our house, so we invited her to our house, she was um, at that time tattooed from like neck downwards, had so many ear pier piercings throughout her body and obviously her clothes were western, quite western and quite exposing. So he goes, we were in shock as soon as we saw it, that you know, this is someone who's saying that she wants to say it. And that's the first thing she said. She said, I know you're probably looking at me and thinking, how is someone like this saying that they want to convert to Islam? But listen to me, just hear me out first. And her story is so faith inspiring. She said, I basically, in the last, he goes, she said that I have done everything in life. You name it, I've done it. Drugs, alcohol. I've got three different children from three different uh, men. Uh, I've got three children from three different men rather um, and I've done everything uh, and up until six months ago I was fully involved in that lifestyle and six months ago I decided that I, that's it I'm tired of that lifestyle I want to make a change so uh, I, I stopped doing everything any sort of abuse to my physical body I stopped doing it now my mum she said would always take us to the church when we were young 
but I never got a real satisfaction from it. I, I, I used to go, I knew there was a God. I, do, I did believe in God, but I just, the, the Christian teachings and that whole experience of going to the church on Sundays, it just never sat well with me. I never felt anything spiritual to it. So I start, my sister, when I told my sister, she started taking me to church again. Um, and again, that same feeling I had when I was younger, I never had no attachment to it. I didn't feel any spirituality whilst doing it, but I kept going because I wanted to make a positive change in life. When I realized that, okay, this church is not for me, she said that I then remembered from the religious kind of scriptures that fasting is a good practice. So I started fasting in my own way. Like not to in any religious like how Muslims do it or how Christians do it. I just started in fasting in my own way with the intention that there is a God. I do believe in a God and I'm fasting for his sake. So hopefully he'll guide me. She said, whilst I started fasting, I saw this dream. In this dream, there's this lady who's wearing Islamic clothing. So Islamic clothing meaning she's covered with a, with a proper veil. Um, she takes me to, a, to, to meet a holy figure. And I go into this room and this figure is at a distance, I can see him, and he's sitting on like a throne. And I go closer to him and I just start crying in the dream. She said, I woke up and I felt the most content that I've ever felt in my life. Like I've been to church throughout my whole life, I've never felt content and satisfied. But that one dream, I woke up so satisfied. I didn't know who the man was, I didn't hear him, I saw him, I recognized him. She goes, I saw that dream again. But this time, when I walked into the room, that man spoke to me. He said to me that you should become a Muslim and you should wear what this woman is wearing, so the Muslim clothing. And he said, you should also have a Muslim name. And then she said, in the dream, I replied by saying, uh, is Aisha okay? Now she said, I had no idea where I had that name from. Like, I don't know, and she's Polish. She doesn't know Arabic. She goes, I didn't know where I heard that name from. Maybe it could be from childhood, I had a friend or from school. I used to teach in school. Maybe there was a child called Aisha. But anyway, in the dream, I said to the man, can I, as Aisha? She said, yeah, that's fine. You could be called Aisha. And then I woke up and he goes, I woke up crying. Now she goes, I, I called the Muslim that I knew of, which was my, my landlord. So her landlord, by chance was an MD Muslim, yeah? So because I called the, my landlord, because he's the only Muslim I knew that I could think of straight away, and I was crying, I was so emotional. But my landlord, he said, he knows of the lifestyle that I've been living. So he assumed that I was drunk. He goes, you know, she's calling me like late night, telling me, crying, saying, I want to join Islam, I want to join Islam. She go, he just said, okay, listen, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah, he goes, I shut the phone. He goes, the next day, so the MD now says, the MD Muslim says, the next day I called her back saying, you know, yesterday you called me, I don't know if you were drunk or what, what happened, but you called me crying, saying you want to join Islam. As soon as he said that, she started crying again. She goes, no, no, that was, I wasn't drunk. It's true, like I, I've had this experience and I'm caught even now. And what, the second day she started crying again, and that's when the Ahmadi Muslim knew that, okay, we need to meet her. And then this meeting happened. So when she explained all of this, we were just, and the first question we asked was, do you recognize that man that you saw? She was like, yeah, I recognize that man. So then we showed him, I showed her a picture of the promised Messiah. As soon as her eyes set on it, she just started crying. She goes, yeah, this is the man I saw in the dream. And for us, like that was so faith inspiring, so faith inspiring. You know, normally you hear these accounts, His Holiness mentions these accounts and you hear these in like other countries in the world. And I would always think that, I wonder if that happens here in the UK as well. But then I've witnessed this one because this happened in one of the branches that I cover. 
ever since that day, before she left, she said, yeah, this is the man. This is the man. Yeah, I want to become Muslim. Whatever community he's established, I want to be part of it. And she even said to the, to the president that, do you have Islamic clothing that I can wear? And then his wife came and she, she gave her the Islamic clothing. And since that day, she's fully practicing, fully practicing. Um, she even saw, and I tell you, like this is what I'm saying, when you have the intention, God guides you. She saw a dream a few years. She doesn't know what Jalsa is. She saw a dream a few months back saying, I've seen a dream where we're in a massive place and we're all there for the same reason. And we're just all doing the same thing. I said, like, yeah, I said, that dream is going to become a reality very soon. And she's actually coming today. She's going to be coming to the Jalsa today. But the reason I say that is because this Jalsa, like the Promised Messiah mentioned, it's objectives is to increase in spirituality, is the propagation of Islam, is for us to know that actually if we practice what we preach, if we're sincere to God Almighty, then God Almighty will guide you. And I think she is an example of that for me when I see that. It's, it's, it's an amazing, and there are many accounts, that's what I'm saying. I think online you can go back and see on Saturday, there's so many um, different accounts that prove the truthfulness of this community and of the Promised Messiah. That was an incredible story. Thank you very much, Sponsor. Uh, honestly, that, I don't think I've had a story like that. Like yeah. to that extent, that intensity, like you know. And you always have dreams. People see dreams, but you know, I, I, maybe it's because I know you, and that you've had the experience as well. So I'm probably living it vicariously right now. <laughs> but I'll give you no. I'll give you one more if we can. I'll give you one more. There's another one, and um, again, this is amazing as well. It's it's one of those ones where. Uh, Brother Qiyum, who's a regular, yeah, he's a regular on like Voice of Islam. You probably know his voice. He does drive time show, breakfast show. He does all the shows. <laughs> you know, if you're listening, Qiyum, Salaamu <laughs> uh, He once told me that he was um, in Peckham uh, holding a tabligh stall. So a tabligh stall is a just a table set up where you're just uh, promoting, propagating Islam, Ahmadiyya. And he goes, it was a very simple setup. It was just a table, tablecloth, and we had like a couple of pamphlets. Of the gym, of the community, and we had a picture of the promised Messiah, the founder of the community, and we were set up behind a bus stop. So he said, "This lady got off the bus, and as soon as she got off her bus, she kind of looked at us. We looked at her, um, and we no we noticed straight away that okay, she's seen the stall. Maybe she we can approach her." As soon as she got, brother Kiyum said that as soon as she saw us, she walked towards us, and she was in tears. And we thought, what's wrong? You know, this um, elderly woman just got off the bus crying. As soon as she looked at us, she started crying. What's happened? Happens <laughs> to him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Probably> <laughs> does, yeah. And then um, he, he said, she said that, who's this man? He goes, this is the problem. He goes, this man has been coming to my dream for so long, but I don't know who he is. And I'm like, where do you, if you see someone that you don't know in your dream, where do you begin to find him? Like, how do you find him? Even if like you have Google or internet, if you see someone that you don't know in your dream, how do you recognize who he is? And as soon as I saw him, I forgot off the bus stop, I saw, I thought that looks very similar. And I saw the actual picture of the promise player. I broke down because I've seen this man for so long. So where, where is he? Who is he? Please tell me. And he goes, when she said that, we were emotional because naturally we obviously belong to the community. So there are so many signs as well. Like I said, of people's experiences. Um, I can go on now. I've got a few more, but uh, have we got time? We can, let's go into a short break. But honestly, yeah. you know these stories that you're mentioning, they, they are sending goosebumps for our body. They're actually absolutely incredible. Um, very, very faith-inspiring. Faith uh, but let's go on a very short break for about five minutes. Uh, and then after which we'll, we'll talk a bit more about uh, Justice Solana. So please stay tuned. Oh, <laughs> 
listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. The Holy Quran states Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. Anur is that being through whose light a physically blind person sees and a person who has gone astray finds guidance. It is that being who is apparent and through whom all things are manifested. His being is apparent in himself and makes things evident for others as well. The true light is God, which can be perceived in everything by those with insight. However, one who is devoid of spiritual sight cannot see it. A believer is firm on the belief that the universe that can be observed, as well as the universe that cannot be observed, is created by God. In order to give an understanding of this light, God sends His chosen people who spread the nur, which comes down from the heavens throughout the world. The promised Messiah, on whom be peace, writes, that light of high degree that was bestowed on perfect man was not in angels, was not in the stars, was not in the moon, was not in the sun, was not in the oceans or the rivers, was not in rubies or emeralds, or sapphires or pearls. In short, it was not in any earthly or heavenly object. It was only in perfect man, whose highest and loftiest and most perfect example was our Lord and Master, the chief of the prophets, the chief of all living ones, Muhammad, the chosen one. Peace and blessings of Allah be on him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, set the most excellent example and the highest standard of nur, which was established as a reflection of the light of God and which will continue till the day of judgment. The nur he received was conveyed to his companions and established excellent morals amongst them, so much so that he likened them to the stars. After the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, the reflection of God's light was the promised Messiah on whom be peace. This was due to complete subordination of his master. Not only did God fill the promised Messiah on whom be peace with nur that was sent down more than 1,400 years ago. He also granted him the station 
to spread this nur. The promised Messiah on whom be peace wrote that no one knew him and God compelled him out of his solitude and told him that he would bestow upon him honor and make him renowned all over the world. It is a way of God that when he adorns someone with nur, he manifests it to the world. After all, when the worldly light has a capacity to spread, how can the light of God stay hidden? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace and blessings of God be upon you all. You are back uh, with us on Saturday morning live uh, with myself, Mudabri Khalid, uh, Shaib Zafar, Hamza Vandaman, and Usman Barsahib. We've just had maybe for about 40 minutes some very, very inspiring stories from uh, one of our co presenters who uh, is a minister of religion uh, or as an imam, as we called it uh, in Islam who's spoken about uh, some very, very faith-inspiring events uh, and stories about people's conversions. We've, spoke gener- we've spoken generally about our memories uh, uh, during Jalsa, uh, and we'll speak a bit more about some incidents. But we were just speaking about, uh, during the break, about um, uh, our memories of uh, Jalsa, especially, you know, how we help people and, you know, one of the important aspects of uh, Jalsa Salana, as mentioned by his husband, Masimo, the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, is hospitality. And we were talking about years ago when it was absolute downpour over here. Yeah. And we were pushing cars uh, out of the car park, you know, cars that were completely stuck in the mud. And people who hadn't, didn't care at all. You know, generally we, when people come to Jalsa, they try and dress their best. Oh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do their best to, you know, look nice. But on that occasion, I can't remember what year it was exactly. 2008? Eight, that's what I'm, uh, that's, the, that's the year that I've got in my head. 2007, I think. <clears throat> it was the year before the Pretend ju- 4 by 4s that couldn't reverse in the yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was when you, that was when you knew that yeah. things weren't real. <laughs> and, and honestly, it was, it was incredible because, like, you'd see many, I can't, I don't want to say hundreds or tens, but there were so many Hudam that were pushing cars on their way out. Of um of 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 the Jalasana and then there was just one of the scenes. Even last year, I don't know if you remember last year. Yeah, last year, last year, last year exactly it was so bad. And I remember we were so I was serving in uh, the reserve entrance scanning, and on our walkie-talkies we just got like an emergency. I think it went to, out to every department that if you got any free manpower, yeah, yeah, I remember send that. them to the car park. So I remember we went as a group of five six. We got to the car park. It felt like the Avengers. You know the Avengers scene, <laughs> <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Slowly where everyone walking. comes through. Yeah, where then where, where Black Panther comes out. Yeah. It felt like that. We all got to the car park, and then um, we're now like looking, and every direction there's a car stuck. So I think wow. at, at that time, I remember I'm not making this up. About 200 volunteers turned wow. up, and we're in groups of like 20, just pushing cars. And I remember we must have been pushing for two, three hours. And when it was prayer time, there were a few cars left. But I remember the next day, us, oh, my forearm good was fully cramping. <laughs> oh my god! But no, it's it's great. I think no one. You're right. No one ever. There's no kind of ums or ahs or like anyone's yeah. upset it's ultimately again we do all of this to win the pleasure of God That's the it, even now the, 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 the volunteers that I help in the car park I mean they are there from morning Till all through the baking yeah. heat till the end and it's yeah. a, we've all done these tough jobs and they are very tiring this, and, but th- this morning I came for the morning prayer and I got here four o'clock and again there's just two people like sitting in the car park making sure that you know they're checking the badges mm. they're doing their duty and again you're thinking wow it's just amazing it's incredible yeah, how it's every just, single it's a 24 hour duty I mean even Shoaib Zafar has got duty later today in, in, up until 
night, you know? Yeah, until midnight, looking forward to that. Manning the stage. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's quite incredible. It's, um, yeah, I, I think, again, going back to, uh, how much time do we have left? Not five minutes. Five minutes. I'll just tell one more incident, actually. Again, like we said, the purpose of this jalsa um, is to propagate the true message of Islam uh, and also to spiritually elevate ourselves by congregating in the worship of God. But like I said, the third session of His Holiness where he mentions the progression of the community, for me that is, and for a lot of people, that is so emotionally and spiritually, it lifts us to an extent where, you know, it just reminds us that, yeah, we're in the right place. And I think for externals as well, it's a huge sign for the truthfulness of the promised Messiah. And I just want to end with one incident again. And this is from the Gambia. There was... Um, Part of uh, the preaching methods there is that you would go to villages as a group, preach the message, you know, you would let the village know that, you know, we're going to come on this day if you could gather everyone to this one area. So they did that in the Gambia. They went, um, they preached their message for about an hour about Islam, Ahmadiyyat, and uh, the village accepted. But before they accepted, this one gentleman got up and he said, I want to say something. He said, okay. He said that. I've been, long story short, he said that I've been seeing, um, they showed pictures of the promised Messiah as well. So he said, this is the Messiah. He said that I've been seeing this man in my dream for the last seven years, but I've not known who he is. Um, and just yesterday, I saw a dream where this man was there. And in the dream, I was told by someone else who's with him, accept him he's the messiah this is the last time i'm coming to you you need to accept him now because after seven years of seeing him and i accepted him in my dream and the promised messiah led me in silent prayer in the dream he goes then i saw a, another dream that same night <clears throat> two angels have come to me showing me a picture in the same way that you're showing now and he goes, I, I'm not lying. And if I'm lying, may God curse my children. But the angels had your two faces. So the people that came to preach, there were two Ahmadi Muslim uh, preachers. They said that the angels had your faces. Wow. And in my dream, you were showing me this magazine that look, this is the Messiah. And you're doing it now. He goes, when I woke up, I said to my wife that today, we're not going anywhere. God showed me this dream. I've accepted him. In seven years, I've just seen him. Yesterday was the first time I was told to accept him. I accepted him. And I was shown that angels are coming to show me. And he goes, that's exactly what's happened. So when he said that, again, it just, the whole village just accepted. Uh, and again, these are just reminders. Like I said, the whole purpose of this event is to promote Islam spiritually to, to elevate ourselves uh, and remind ourselves that if you have the right intention and we actually practice what we preach according to the teachings of the Holy Quran, according to the teachings of the, our beloved master, the founder of Islam, Hazrat Muhammad Mustafa, may the peace and blessings of God be upon him. And of course, the promised Messiah al-Islam, who was the uh, Messiah that was, whose advent was foretold by the Holy Prophet then you will find God. Incredible, another incredible story. A very incredible story, and, and uh, unfortunately, none of us can trump that. Or do we have time to trump it, or even like narrate? No, just time. Just time is the problem. There, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just time. But no, we really do hope that um, the guests of this year's 56 uh, annual Jalsa people can, uh, people will, I know, I'm sure, um, you know, reap the benefits of uh, this annual convention, you know, and um, 
we hope and pray that everyone enjoys the annual convention uh, if you're making your way in please have a safe journey if you have any stories please do um, let us know uh, you can call us or tweet us call us on 0208-687-7878 or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK thank you very much very much for joining us and we'll be back next week inshallah